Hey folks and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. This is the show all about podcasting, helping you to create a more successful podcast. I'm Colin Gray, your host as always, and this week we're taking a little break from the standard seasons-based content and going to an interview with a good friend of mine, David Bain. How are you doing, David? Mr. Gray, it's always good to talk to your good, just good self. I'm very good, thank you. Good, great to hear. Um, now, I've known you for a fair few. Can you remember how long? Was it Was it UK Pod we met or was it after that? Was it New Media Europe? I th- we definitely met at New Media Europe. Yeah. Uh, we, we obviously had dis- digital discussions before that. So yes. I remember you appearing on different um, episodes with you. But um, that tends to happen before meeting face to face nowadays. Yeah, indeed. It takes a conference to get you together. Now, <laughs> what shows do you run these days, David? Because you do a whole bunch of podcasting. Well, I, I kind of did a whole bunch of podcasts. I I used to do the podcast Digital Marketing Radio, and that was my yeah. um, go-to show. I did over 200 episodes of that. But I put it on hiatus. Uh, it, so it went on a bit of a pause in late 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, quite interesting, actually, in that uh, the number of downloads stayed the same for about 12 months after I stopped doing it and then started going down significantly. Right. Um, but I mean, I've hosted shows for uh, other MarTech brands, for yeah. SEM Rush, for Mobile Monkey, people like that. And the intention is to actually launch a new podcast called Marketing Now. Um, towards the beginning of next year at some point okay marketing now so uh is that as it sounds just going to be any particular kind of format about talking about marketing in general yeah i mean it's 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 going to you know come from the book that i'm publishing because uh, i interviewed you know over 100 different experts for that but i want to dive into it deeper and what I didn't want to do was just start another podcast without integrating it into my content marketing model, my business model, and trying to make podcast listeners aware of other things that I do. So I, I wanted to focus on the book, first of all, and then really relaunch the podcast and kind of integrate it with that as a form of content. So hopefully that will work a little bit better and um, be more of a common thread between the, the the other things that I do. Yeah, perfect. Well, that's a good segue to what I want to talk to you about today, isn't it? Which is the concept of repurposing a podcast um, and other broadcasted content into a book. Uh, now, what's the name of the book you've just published? Well, the, the, the book is called Marketing Now. Uh, and it's actually, although you've got, um, or certainly will very soon have uh, a pre-publication um, copy, the, the, the publication date is the 10th of December. Right. Uh, so it's it's not officially available yet. I'm going to do a massive crazy launch stream on the 10th of December uh, to um, celebrate the launch of that. <laughs> and um, you know, I'm sure you'll be involved in, in some way to do with that. <laughs> so a live stream to create the book and a live stream to promote it, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, live streams are an incredible way of bringing people together and uh, getting people excited about some kind of launch that's happening. You've got to make it a little bit different. Yeah. The, the way that I tend to make it different is I have a crazy number of people on there and yes. make it very, very long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then publish someone out of it. I think you've done that the last two, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I published a book back in early 2017 from a big live stream, and that was a bit more of an experiment. Uh, but this one was a little bit more premeditated in terms of how long I needed the content to be to get a decent you know, volume of content. I knew 
from the previous time I did it that if I did an eight-hour live stream, I'd end up with a book that was about 60,000 words long, which is kind of a proper book length. Right. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so that's what I want to do today. I want to go into how you have created this book uh, and how podcasters can benefit from the idea that they can turn their audio content into a product, something sure. that they can actually sell or something they can use to promote the other stuff they do. Um I mean, a lot of people actually create books more as a, what is it, they call it the, the, the what would you call it, a book-shaped business card. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. And, and it, it can be that. It's certainly an authority builder. Yeah, exactly. And, but it's, it, it's good to make, um, I guess, profit from that as well as your, your business model as well. But I think yeah. so many people are doing it now, it's important to integrate it into the other stuff that you're doing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's go into then how we, that whole process, because you, you took it in quite a few different steps, didn't you? And you mentioned there that it was a live stream in the end that produced the content that was then repurposed into a book. But we'll take it back a few steps to the podcast, which is what started it all off, wasn't it? So, sure. so just to let a listener know, by the end of this, hopefully we're going to have a whole process taking it from a podcast through to possibly some other formats like live streaming that can then be repurposed into that book, which is your product or your lead magnet or whatever it might be. But if you are just doing a podcast out there uh, and you want to just turn that directly into a book, then that's entirely possible too. And we'll go into how you, David, how you put that book together, how you got it designed, how you published it, all the sort of different ways to do that self-publishing too. Does that sound right? Yeah, sounds good. Good, good. So what are the steps then? You said there was a, a bunch of steps starting with the podcast. What was the what was the first kind of um, part of that journey towards the, the book? I, I mean, I think for me, I, I didn't really have a process before I started, but looking back in it, I think there's a six-step process that uh, I would advise people to go through sure. uh, if they're thinking of doing a similar kind of thing that I uh, have done, uh, i.e. incorporating live streaming and, and hosting a, a big online summit as well. As you mentioned, Colin, you can you go directly from creating a podcast to publishing a book as well. And hopefully some of the tips here will uh, help people, help, help the listener do, do that as well. But to start off with, I highly recommend with just focusing in on producing an audio podcast to begin with, you know, not getting crazy expensive equipment. Like, like yourself, Colin, I, I love the Samsung QTU microphone. Yeah. I think it's a great starter microphone to yeah. have. Yeah, and sure. with with that and maybe a, a couple of other things, um, you know, like a, a decent boom stand, uh, windshield or windscreen, depending on what side of the Atlantic you happen to be on. Uh, <laughs> then you know, for a hundred pounds or so, you, you can get started with an audio podcast and then you can find your voice. You can decide what to do that. And I wouldn't recommend that people think about structuring out a book, first of all, mm -hmm. or, or thinking about the content for a book sure. before they have probably about 20 episodes of a podcast under their, their belt. Um, that way people will find their voice, decide what is likely to resonate with their audience, and then they're more likely to be able to actually come up with that structure after that. Okay, perfect. So, so it's about building that audience. It's about starting to figure out what content works for you and your audience. Then, just to begin yeah, with, yeah, I mean, it's it's, yeah. it's finding your voice. I think to yeah. begin with, uh, from from me, for for podcasting, it's not really about finding a massive audience because 
well, I guess it depends if you're doing a solo show or an interview show. Uh, I, I've largely focused on interview shows and I've found that the quality of the relationships that I've built as a result of doing these interviews are, are probably worthwhile me doing the podcast um, uh, but by itself and, and, and people listening don't matter. I'm sure my guests wouldn't necessarily agree with that <laughs> because they like to be uh, in front of an audience. But yes. <laughs> um, the, the, the quality of the relationships and, and what I've learned and um, the, the way that my thought process has changed as a result of the conversations that I've had has made the, the, the massive difference. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'd simply say that um, you're unlikely to find what's likely to be the common future s- structure of your show yeah. and the things that you are truly passionate about and want to talk about on a regular basis and can talk about on a regular basis until you've you've done at least 20 episodes. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, I, th- I think it often takes at least a few months, doesn't it? Which is often 12... 16 whatever whatever frequency you're going for it takes a wee while to get into that i I mean you you say there's no point in well not no point sorry you said it's often not possible to plan out a structure of a book ahead of time i think the the example of this in the wider world is um tim ferris isn't it him Mm. repurposing his interview show into two different books now i think oh no no, actually it's one one was directly from the podcast the other was from previous guests yeah um so again reiterating your point around those relationships that you built so even though the second book wasn't based on his interviews it was based on the relationship which then allowed him to get in contact and ask further questions and delve into things deeper um but he basically just summarized interviews didn't he it was just a whole book's worth of kind of highlights from interviews from his show yeah i mean i think that that can be done mm-hmm. but i think you're the average podcaster um is probably not likely to be as successful um by by just doing that i think yeah. you really have to think about the concept of your book, the, the the overarching message that you're trying to create, the the structure of the book, a, a decent structure for a book tends to be in twelve chapters and three sections. Yeah, and if okay. you think of it like that, then that yeah. possibly makes it easier to think about planning podcast episodes in the future yeah. in order to create the content for a book. Yeah, I mean, you, you can take episodes that you happen to have recorded, but I'd I'd advise record quite a few episodes, decide what subject matter is likely to resonate with your target audience and then go about um, having a look at the categories of books on Amazon to see what other books are doing and where the opportunities are there and then actually designing a book uh, based upon those three key sections and the 12 chapters as well uh, and then go about looking to record podcast episodes, 12 podcast episodes with a view um, to creating the content for those chapters. Okay, yeah, that's cool. So you're... You're finding your voice, find your topic first, which gives you the inspiration for what content might go into the book. And that's when you just sit down and plan ahead this next. If it's 12 chapters, then maybe it's, uh, you know, that's three months worth of content if you're doing it weekly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go out and capture that. And you still think getting that from, you would still plan that from interviews or does that turn into solo content at that point? Look, I mean, the, the, the way that I've, I, I would probably look at, Involving interviews and transcribing the interview. I mean, I mean, generally you need uh, at least eight hours of content in order to get enough content for a book. Okay, uh, eight hours of um, of, of audio or live streamed yeah, content. Obviously, sure. I'm talking about here. The the way that I've got gone about producing can marketing now the, the the book that I'm focused on at the moment is that I've 
not thought a great deal about the chapter titles beforehand. So I've uh, had a live stream with, um, with with over 100 marketers come on there and I've asked them all, right, share your number one piece of actionable advice and give them free reign to come up with whatever tip they actually want to come up with. And then afterwards, I've taken all the tips and I've categorized them into 12 chapters from there. So I did the, the, the categorization, the, the chapter making after the content was produced and it could be done that way as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So what was the, you mentioned your six steps. So what, what was the second step? Is the first step, the planning out the, uh, that, the uh, is that the audience building t- uh, side of things? I mean, the, the, the first step t- t- to me was finding your voice, was yeah, yeah. creating an yeah. audio only podcast t- uh, to begin with Perfect. and ensuring that you're comfortable using a, a reasonable microphone, you yeah. know, Samsung Q2U or yeah. something like that, um, that uh, you're not going to get uncomfortable uh, speaking in a podcast and, 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 and you're happy enough with what you're doing. Cool. The, the, the second part of to that actually producing and kind of following the same sequence that I've gone through I would probably go to incorporating your intros and your outer your outros bumper tracks mixing live while you're actually doing your recorded audio podcast okay sure. um, so, so we're, we're talking about uh, kind of just before we, we started recording the road podcaster pro yeah, yeah. Uh, you can also use an iPad with an app like Bossjock uh, and get that going into your mixer so I think the next stage is just getting more comfortable with producing your show as live. So you've got to reduce the the amount of audio editing that you need to do yeah, yeah. need to do afterwards. Yeah, it's the the main reason to get a mixer for podcasters. I would say just making that post production process easier because you can mix your music straight into it. You can you know fade in and out of different bumpers, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and I like um, I like producing reasonable quality audio for. Uh, live streaming as well and actually recording my podcast live quite often as well uh, like you often do as well Colin and if you're going to do that then you need to have hopefully a bit of hardware that does a couple of little things like compress your voice a little bit um, perhaps a little bit of de-essing those kind of you know kind of slightly more advanced uh, things that you're going to do to your voice yeah. um, to try and improve the quality of that. Uh, if you're going to do that in post-production, then the quality of o- the audio that you produce for your live streaming isn't going to be quite as good as the the audio that you produce for your podcast. Yeah, perfect. Okay, what about number three then? Yeah, number three. So we're kind of bouncing about a little bit here. Um, number three, I recommend recording your podcast on pre-recorded video. So a, a lot of people are quite uncomfortable with live streaming with appearing in front of an, a, a live audience. What if something goes wrong? What yeah. if my equipment all fails? And if you you record your podcast on video, but if you do it on pre-recorded video using Skype or, or, mm. or, or something else, yeah. then at least if you do muck up, then you can start again. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's no problem with that as well. And that reduces pressure. So if you're doing things like adding your your intros, your outros, and any bumpers, um, uh, kind of editing, uh, and you're doing that as part of producing your pre-recorded video, it, it gives you an opportunity to practice it before you do it live. So that's a, a good third step, I think, before you yeah. actually start live streaming. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, the <laughs> having that fail safe <laughs> is never a bad thing, <laughs> even once you've done it for months or years at a time. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know. But I, I think, I mean, I mean, 
step four is 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 just moving on to live streaming, and yeah. I think that many people probably do that a little bit too soon yeah. and they try to make their shows too fancy and they don't even think about audio quality when they're live streaming. Mm -hmm. And for me, when I watch a live video on YouTube, Facebook, whatever platform it is, yeah. audio quality is probably one of the most important things yeah. because I'll yeah. maybe put my iPad down, I'll go and walk around the house and I'll maybe just be listening to the audio of whatever live stream is happening at the time. And if the audio quality is shoddy, I, I'm going to turn that off pretty quickly. So that's yeah, probably the yeah. number reason, number one reason I think that people would actually turn off from videos poor audio quality. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, don't be thinking about what am I doing to produce audio a good good audio when you're live streaming. That should be natural. And and the way that, that I recommend for that to be more natural is to focus on audio podcasting to begin with in the first few steps before you move on to live streaming. Yeah, yeah. And by that point, you're totally comfortable with that. You've got great quality audio, and the video takes well kind of takes care of itself yeah exactly well then you can do things like look at the chat interaction uh, yeah. interaction as well yeah. and, and that's a different skill set to begin uh, to, to to bring people into the conversation if, you, if you're seeing what people are saying you can incorporate those comments into the whole conversation you're having yeah. live as well that, that that's a great thing to be doing but yeah. yeah again it's a different skill to be bringing in and you don't want to be trying trying to master everything at the same time yeah absolutely a slight side question. Uh, do you think that live broadcasts make for good podcasts if people do them on a regular basis? I, I think they can do, but um, I, I, I think you have to be very careful about how you do it. You know, I've heard you a couple of times talked about uh, talk about your way of doing things. You, you go live uh, for 15 minutes or so, you, you take questions, you interact with people, and then you often focus on producing the the podcast and yeah, then get back yeah. to the live audience after that and thank them for it. And that, that can be a lovely way to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I like to try and look at the comments mm -hmm. as I'm broadcasting live, but the key is you know, I'm having a conversation with someone else. I tend to be interviewing people. It tends to be a panel discussion. Yeah, so yeah. it's a little bit easier for me to look and, and see what the comments are. I think if it's a solo show, it's very, very difficult yeah, to do that sure. because you're obviously speaking uh, all, all the time. So yeah. it's probably not a good idea to be looking at comments then. But um, you have to think of a medium. Uh, if you do it live, occasionally you can be doing things that are only suitable for a, a video audience. You can yeah. be talking about things that are happening visually. You can be referring to something that is only um, pertinent to that live audience for whatever reason. So yeah, you, you've yeah. got to think about things from the listener's perspective, who's who's working it, who, who's listening to it afterwards. And if you do that, then then it should be fine. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's it is hard to do live and good content, I think. But you're right with with interview shows, it should be a little bit easier because you're bringing together more than one content. You've got the chance when somebody else is speaking to kind of bring in your own opinions or bring in the questions. Um, and I think a live audience works better with an interview show, doesn't it? And that they can ask the questions. You're asking questions of the interviewee already. So getting the audience to chime in on them can work really well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it, it can be great. Um, you can also, as a result of that, be producing different types of content. You know, I've done LinkedIn Lives recently that have had about 2,000 views in, in 24 hours. And that's that's a wonderful way to, to get more people engaging with your content. But because you do that, then you produce video content. So you can start to cut up your video content and use that um, as promo material for the future as well as so you really ramp up your content marketing efforts. Yeah, perfect. Okay, what about number five, oh, four? Were we five. There? Five, <laughs> yes. Four was live streaming, so... <laughs> perfect. <laughs> 
five kind of gets to the crazy one. So, so, so five is um, where you, you host online summits. So it's like a, an extended version of doing a massive live stream. So I've hosted online uh, live streams for about nine hours or so, where I've had over a hundred guests come on. Um, I've also hosted live streams, which are more um, kind of presentations based. But but if you do that, then there's a there's a big opportunity to actually create a book as a oneer, but also uh, to bring a whole lot of um, interaction. Because if you go live and you stay live for a long time and it's great content, people will tell their friends about it. So a mega live stream gives you that um, amplified opportunity to 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 to, make, to reach uh, an increased number of uh, number of people. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I've seen some of the projects you've started up from the eight hour live streams to even longer than that as well. I, mm. I sometimes think you're, you're mental for the things you yeah. take on. <laughs> you're not first. <laughs> are, they, are they as much work as they, as they look? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I don't recommend it. Yeah. No. <laughs> Go directly from a podcast to a book, you know, skip the steps in the middle. It depends what you like to do. I, I like to challenge myself. Yeah, yeah. I always like to, you know, move on to what I see as the next level and create content that's a little bit different from other people that's out there. And I think kind of creating a massive mega summit live stream is, is one of the ways to do that. Yeah. There are many other ways to do that. You don't necessarily have to replicate that, but for me to, to challenge myself and to produce something that's a, a little bit different motivates me. Yeah, that's cool. And, and they always seem to work really well as well. Like you get great <laughs> content, you get great guests, uh, and they always seem to go down really well. So it seems to be I, I worth you, it I, from I the outside. What's, what's really, really <laughs> beneficial as well is as a result of obviously doing the podcasts, I've, I've made some incredible relationships, but it's important to try and maintain those relationships. So by having some kind of end of year recap or, or live yeah, summit yeah. where you know, a, a bunch of your guests come back, then it's a way of maintaining that relationship. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it, it, it's a great way to do that. If, if you've interviewed someone four or five years ago, they might not even remember being on your yeah. podcast, but if you keep that relationship going once a year, then yeah. it's going to be much more beneficial, hopefully for, for you and your business. And you make it very easy for them as well. Like you to call in for two or three minutes and give one kind of one big takeaway. You feel involved in the big party. Uh, guests can hang around for a while as well, can't they? On the stream, uh, not speaking, but taking like just kind of watching or taking part in the chat. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. <laughs> Cheers. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it's important to use some kind of automated booking system. You know, I've used yeah. Schedule Once, I've used Acuity Scheduling. Um, so those are both great tools that you can use to to automatically uh, send your guests emails and send them calendar invites. Uh, when it's a three-minute slot that I give someone, I tend to uh, have three different guests for a 10-minute booking mm -hmm. that way i can I reorder things slightly if if necessary yeah, yeah. and it's 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 generally the most uh, kind of fail proof way that you can go about doing things but of yeah. course if, you, if you're running that kind of crazy thing you've got to be prepared for things going wrong and actually <laughs> take it in the right yes. sentiment if, yeah. if it does happen <laughs> so step six presumably this is the book itself yes yes <laughs> <laughs> turn turn the content into book so What's key, I think, is that you can't just transcribe all the content mm -hmm. and then publish the transcription. That is not really a book because people don't tend to write in the same way that they articulate things when they're, they're, they're having a conversation with you. So 
although it might you know, sound really great when they're they're sharing something as part of a live show, um, they would choose to say things quite differently. So uh, I've taken these roughly 60,000 words and had them transcribed. I just used rev.com to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Um, then after that, I went through everything and made sure everything was right. So Rev is, is pretty good, but there are some things that they're not so good at. There are things like getting business names or, or URLs correct. Yeah, so yeah. You, you need to make sure all of that's correct. Uh, and then I could use the transcription when I'm using the chunks of video for a uh, uh, other marketing activities in the future, yeah, different sure. segments on Twitter, on, on on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever. But but then I'll take the the fully correct edited transcript, um, and then I'll break it down, categorize everything into the chapters, into mm -hmm. the sections, mm -hmm. and then from there uh, I'll thoroughly go through everything and rewrite it in a manner that makes much more sense from a reading perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I'll provide. Uh, then I'll provide a small introductory segment at the at the beginning of each person that's sharing the the, the tip as well to try and tie everything together. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, how long do you think it takes that process? <laughs> very, very long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not really encouraging people to do that. Am I? Um, look, if, if if you want to do anything in life that's really, really worthwhile, then yeah. it's worthwhile. Uh, investing a lot of time and effort into it. And it, it could be done relatively quickly. I, I could have done it a lot more quickly by knowing the process beforehand, but to a certain degree, it was a learning process for me. So I, I wanted just to do everything and do, do all the steps. Uh, looking back at it, and if I do it again, hopefully I, I, I will do it again. You know, I, I could do marketing now too. I could do another uh, kind of book after that. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that next time I, I would have you know some assistant uh, kind of go through everything and uh, do the transcript editing just to get that right to begin with. Uh, you know, I could have another assistant doing the categorizing of things and rewriting of things as well. So there's there's a lot of the process that I could outsource and get other people to do in the future. So you didn't have an editor at all for this one, did it? Fully yourself? I I. I, I, I there's a chap that I know that um, is very good at um, English. He's edited prof edited professionally before, yeah. And um, so, so he's uh, re reviewed everything for me. I didn't have an official editor, um, but you know, a few different people have checked it. Yeah, I yeah. think that. Um, it, it would probably be a good idea for me to have a single editor next time I did it, because again, it's probably taken too much of my time to ensure that all of the content is right. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's, it's, it's a learning process. I'm happy with the content. You know, I, I think it's really you know, integrated nicely. And to a certain degree, you know, maybe it wouldn't be said in the way that I would want it to be said if mm -hmm. I used a third-party editor. But mm -hmm. I, I certainly would need, I think, to use an editor of some form more if I did it again. Yeah. I feel like uh, we certainly we have had... We have used editors, we have used writers to create good show notes from our podcast episodes in the past, by which I really mean a blog post, like writing a good blog post based on a podcast episode. So mm. it might start with a transcript, but actually it's almost 100% rewritten based exactly. on the content of that transcript. For, 
I guess that means that you could, if you had, you know, it's your balance of time versus money, isn't it? You could actually just hand over your podcast, your transcripts to a writer, to an editor, and they could do the entire thing. Or in your experience, would that not work? Do you think you need to be involved in that side of things? How, how much of that could you literally just throw at somebody else? You can definitely do that. And I, if I would fully intend to do that uh, if I did it again. But I'm really happy that I've done it virtually all myself to begin with, yeah, because it's yeah. given me an opportunity to really think about the systems and the way that I would go about outsourcing the work that needs to be done. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would perhaps not do it with the right people. I would not, they, they would have to make more of a decision with regards to how the copy's written, how things are categorized. Yeah. And yeah, I've got a much firmer opinion uh, yeah, uh, about how that's done now and I'm would be much more comfortable managing someone to to get it done in the way that I would want to get it done in the future. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's cool. It's, it's always good to know something. <laughs> it's much easier to outsource a task you can do it yourself, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Um, just to get into, before we finish up then, the kind of the logistics of the book itself, where, where did you have it published in the first place? Sure. Okay. Well, you know, as we're talking, we're recording this 12th of November, so it's going to be published on the 10th of December, 2019. And, you know, pre-publishing copies are available. I'm I'm giving them out to people that have participated in them uh, at the moment. Um, But I'm using a combination of publishing platforms. You know, I'm publishing it via KDP. So, um, uh, that, that, that's the, the Amazon program, of course, as well. Uh, that, that's the, the paperback version. I'm using Ingram Spark mm-hmm. to publish the, the, the hard copy. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be linked up to that on Amazon. So you should be able to, to, to buy both on Amazon. I'm also publishing Mobi and um, kind of ebook formats as well mm-hmm. for people who prefer that. And hopefully over the next few weeks, I'll be recording an audiobook version of it myself as well. So that should be available roughly at, at the same time. And I'm also um, thinking about the the possibility of doing a Kickstarter launch as well, um, j- just before we kind of get it launched properly. And uh, you'll know, be able to offer a few goodies to to people who participate that in, in that as well. And then, of course, do the the launch live stream on the the tenth of December. Excellent. So, for people who have never done self publishing before, what you just created a Word doc and sent that to KDP. What was the process in there? Yeah, so. KDP provides you with templates that you can use to begin with. So what I did was you obviously took the transcripts, um, edited transcripts, and then I categorized everything. So I had to think uh, about the content that was shared and um, wrote that out in a spreadsheet and decided um, that actually it fits quite nicely together in three different sections into into, into 12 different categories. Uh, so um, 12 different chapters, sorry. And then I took the content and kind of copied and pasted it into one of the KDP uh, standard uh, uh, templates that, that you can actually use. Now, if you're just self-publishing on KDP, then you can just do that and use one of their templates. Um, I, I'm also using um, kind of a th- kind of a third-party pu- kind of publishing platform called Author Academy Elite, and um, they use something called Jet Launch to 
design the inside of your book. So mm-hmm. they've got a, a kind of a program that I that I paid to be a part of. Um, so as part of their program, I get a, a cover design that's um, I've gone through 99 designs. So 99 oh, okay. designs, so someone in 99 designs designed the cover. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I use this kind of jet, lo- uh, jet launch program to uh, have the inside of the book designed. And the inside looks, looks quite nice, looks professionally done. So, so that does up at a level compared with your standard KDP templates that that you can get. Yeah, certainly, yeah, you can usually tell when something's being completely template, uh, self-published, can't you? There's just something... um something obvious about it and it, it makes such a difference when you get a book through that has had uh, an actual designer's eye over it even on the inside even the parts that you think are just pretty basic like it's just text and page numbers and but it makes a difference doesn't it yeah i think so and, and you know in fact you know you, you can have a look at the book through um after we've recorded this episode and then uh, <laughs> add a, an epilogue at the end to say actually david was talking rubbish the design looks terrible <laughs> <laughs> yes indeed <laughs> um certainly we've done that i've had we've bought, published a bunch of books on um, kdp and i have used very basic templates for for some books but uh, for one particular book i invested some time in having a graphic designer just lay out the whole thing in indesign uh, and it just yeah it just looks so much more polished and it wasn't that expensive either if you use some of the standard outsourcing um platforms like odesk for example Mm. we found a a designer on odesk who created the whole book in indesign for just a few hundred dollars i think it was about 300 400 dollars um because it doesn't yeah like you say if you pass over a word doc or a, a decent document full of the text it doesn't take them a whole lot of time to to paste it over if they've got these things in place so yeah definitely something that's possible i'm sure even places like fiverr have got people that are happy to lay out a book for you for not very much exactly you know i think the key is you need to give them as much direction as possible so if you're not paying them that much they're just going to come up with whatever they think is right and that's probably not going to match your your thoughts beforehand so yeah, yeah. It, it pays to take an hour or two to really template out exactly what you're looking for and then you, you yeah. you're much happier with the result yeah yeah there's a good opportunity here to double up the design as well isn't there like if you do end up paying for somebody to do a cover or the internal design, uh, you've almost certainly already had somebody do your cover art for you. Or maybe you've not, maybe you've actually put that together yourself like two years ago. Maybe this is a chance to upgrade the design, like get a cover art and a book cover done in a, a similar format or something like that i think that's well, probably, well, well, probably i think what, what you should do is, is if you're really serious about publishing a book you should think about the potential that that book has of being a series in the future as well and if, if you can do that, then there's an opportunity to reuse the cover design again in the future and just edit it slightly, yeah, maybe different yeah. colours. Um, but um, I didn't pay that much. I think it was something like $300 through 99 designs to get the cover yeah, work done. And I'm yeah. really, really happy with it. So I think just paying that little bit more um, to get the artwork that will you know, position you a lot um, better than y- your standard templates that you were talking yeah, about yeah, there will yeah. we'll really reap benefits for you over the future. Perfect. Okay, great stuff, David. Any other pitfalls that you came across that are worth mentioning before we tie it up? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think pitfalls, um, I'm always cautious of sharing things with people um, saying things like don't do this because (laughs) you would then be more aware of the reasons not to do something (laughs) you know i i I would simply say you try and kind of plan out 
before you get started, what the final result is likely uh, to look like in your mind and what you're looking to achieve as a result of, of, of publishing the book. Integrate it into part of your, your, your content marketing mix. You know, at, at the end of each section, I've got a call to action to, to come back to my website and to watch some workshop videos. So that, that will get people back into my email list and made aware of hopefully when I launch the, the, the podcast at the beginning of next year or w- whatever other content that I share with people, then they'll be made aware of that much more easily than if it's a standalone book. So yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the key is just, just think of a book as part of your overall mix and you would think of ways to to loop the people back into the, the, the other content that you're publishing. Yeah, excellent. Good stuff. I think that's been really interesting. I think it's something we need to do more of actually here, uh, repurposing our content into bigger, chunkier bits of content. We've got books that we've republished from the blog. So we've got many of our blog series because we've got 600 plus blog posts. We've got many of them repurposed into books, but we've not done one from the podcast, ironically, considering we're a podcasting company. So yeah, we need to look at that. Um, so yeah if you're out there listening uh, if you're listening live wait till December go and check out Amazon and you can find the book Marketing Now by David Bain Uh, the podcast is coming out in the new year David you said yes it should be I mean I haven't really stuck um, definitively to that so but but the intention is for that to happen I I think it would be nice for that to happen I think what I want to do is I want to focus 100% on this book launch because the live streams could be massive and if I start thinking about the other content that I'm going to be creating in the new year I might be taking my eye off the ball a little bit so um, it, it lends itself nicely to an ongoing series. I can do things like have guests on and refer back to the content in the book and ask them their opinion on that and what they'd add to it. So I, th- I think it could really integrate quite nicely together. So, so, so touch wood that that will happen in the new year. Yes. Yeah. Excellent. Well, if you're listening into, uh, you know, springtime of 2020, then uh, go and check it out. You can tell us if uh, David's launched or not. <laughs> um, otherwise, David, where's your uh, favorite place to be contacted on the interwebs? I tell you what, I'll give you my brand new domain. Oh, I yeah. was very fortunate enough to be able to finally nab my ba- my, my, my my name. Oh, really? So, Excellent. I, I've got davidbain.com. Oh, so I, I, at the moment it redirects to the, the, the book launch site. It will yeah. be a whole new website that's, that's built up there over the coming few months. Great stuff. Yeah, so nip over to davidbain.com to check out more of what David does. Thank you very much for joining me, David. Thank you, Colin. And thank you, listener, for joining me as well. If you want to check out more of what we do as well, we're over at thepodcasthost.com. And of course, if you want more help with running your podcast, whether you want the courses that we do, the live coaching that we offer, or the community, then you can find all three inside our Podcast Host Academy. Just nip over to thepodcasthost.com forward slash academy, and we'll help you launch, monetize, or grow your podcast. Otherwise, we'll talk to you in the next episode. Thanks very much for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.